A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Welcome and happy Monday. I hope you kick off your week on a positive note and have a great week ahead. I'm Charity Seebecker. So happy to be with you this morning. Today, we have plenty of sunshine ahead with a high of 76 degrees. Tonight, we have a 50% chance of rain. Tomorrow will be mostly cloudy with a 30% chance of scattered rain. Wednesday is also going to be partly cloudy with a high of 70 degrees. It then gets much cooler into Thursday and Friday with highs in only the upper 50s. Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist, has more weather details coming your way a little later. Coming up, we hear from Sammy Brantner, agronomist from northern Wisconsin for DeKalb. Carrie talks with Drew Johnson, an independent dairy consultant, on how farmers can change their cows' diets in response to feed cost climbing. Also coming up, we hear from Greg Han of Hans Christmas Farm on what growers are doing to prepare for the holiday season, how their season is going, and inspections that they need to pass. These are all things you don't want to miss. Stick around. We're on mutual insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All business owners want the same thing, to make their business succeed. At Rural Mutual, they help that happen. As the third largest writer of commercial business in Wisconsin, they take the time to learn your business so they can properly protect you. Call your local agent today or visit RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has a roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. Well, there are many field days that are still going on for farmers to learn about different down pressures, what corn to use, or how rainfall is affecting them. There are many more things to learn. I'm Charity Seebecker from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Bob, you had a chance to attend one of these field days and see what these farmers are learning and learn a little bit more about that short corn. What did you learn? The, the short corn is short. <laughs> Charity, we had uh, field days going on, as you said, Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And, you know, it's been a source of pride. How tall is your corn? Oh, 12, 15 feet. Well, in the future, maybe not so much as uh, the folks from DeKalb and Asgrow, part of Bear AgriScience, working on what a shorter variety of corn. They call it smart corn. Sammy Brantner is an agronomist in northern Wisconsin for DeKalb and Asgrow, and we talked to her at a field day about short corn. Basically, what is it and how far along are they as far as the research getting it to the market? We are doing a lot of research into this. So really what we're looking at um, is 
creating this corn, so we call it smart corn, um, but targeting it to be five to seven feet tall. And so, you know, this is something we're still doing our research on. We got a handful of agronomic trials, not quite ready commercially yet, but it's been really fun diving into to see how this can fit into agriculture and into our area and in the near future. I don't know if you were in the room when uh, the powers that be with Bayer and, and DeKalb said, let's check into smart corn. Let's grow five to seven feet corn when it's almost a badge of honor to have somebody to grow 15 foot tall corn. So uh, how'd this come to be and, and why? Well, I'd, I'd like to think it's because I was getting lost in the corn a little too much and they, and they wanted to find me a little easier. I don't even think five foot corn we could find you. <laughs> well, very true. Um, but no, there's a lot of different aspects that we're looking at with smart corn. So kind of the tagline we like to, to think about is pay, right? So it gives us um, protection from when we think about a lot of these wind storms because we see a huge improvement when it comes to standability. So when we're talking about how we're shortening this corn, we're actually shortening the inner nodes below that ear. And by doing that, the leaf sheaths are wrapping around um, that stock that many more times and creating this really phenomenal strength that we see um, in the standability when we do have some wind issues come through. Um, the, the A part of our pay aspect on this is going to be accessibility. So now all of a sudden we can uh, maybe get some of those late season fungicides in. It's a little tricky every now and then to get some helicopters and some planes and even some drones to come in and spray fungicides. So this is opening up a lot of doors for us to be able to get in and put those timely applications on when we want. Um, then also something to think about is nitrogen applications too late season. So just opening a lot of doors. And then finally that why is that yield potential? So by being able to feed that crop when we actually need it, what sort of yield advancements could we see on these things? So you know, really this year we've got a couple plots around in the area. And what we're looking at is, you know, the different planting populations, different fungicide timings. What is the best way that we can manage this corn so the growers can get the most out of it when it does come um, into the marketplace? And we look at some of our standard hybrids now and, you know, some of the years are four or five feet high on these stalks. What does this do for, for ear height and ear placement and multiple ear varieties? Yep, so that's an absolutely great question. Because we're shortening shortening those inner nodes below the ear, that's the biggest call-out that we get. But the minimum ear height that we're allowing to come through our breeding program is two feet off of the ground. And again, that's the minimum. As I've been walking my plots, um, I'm, I'm seeing pretty consistently kind of that waist high um, ear height on it. So really not a concern at this point, but really excited from that standability aspect too. As you look at the research uh, that you're doing right now, strictly for grain corn, what's, you know, you, you got less stock, there's less mass there for silage corn. What kind of things are, are you considering there? Yeah, so I think the when I get the goofiest looks when I talk about smart corn is when I bring up that this could be a potential for us in the silage game. And I get the goofy looks like five to seven feet tall silage. I'm used to seeing it above the chopper boxes. But like you said, by reducing um, that stock, we're reducing some lignin. So we're really diving into what is this going to play for us. We're seeing some impressive quality metrics on our preliminary trials and seeing very comparable tonnage um, in, our early, in our early season trials here to our conventional silage corns. As we, we look at uh, the smart corn, the short corn, you know, you look at how many leaves are on a standard uh, standard stock. What does this do for, I guess, the look of the corn and, and uh, what we're so used to? Yep. So when we're talking about this smart corn, uh, or powered by short corn technology, we are seeing the same number of leaves still as your regular tall plants. 
And when you see the emergence on it, it's going to look like a regular corn plant until it gets to about that V7, V10 time frame. And then you'll start seeing a differentiation between the, the tall hybrids and, and, the smart, and the smart corn hybrids. So it's, it's pretty fun. Another question that I tend to get is weed control. Mm-hmm. Is my light penetration all of a sudden, you know, going, getting further into the canopy? And what I'm currently seeing in my current agronomic trials, that's just hasn't been an issue for me yet. So I'm still seeing a similar uh, light penetration to the taller hybrids. Um, and when I look to push those populations because we're having the same number of leaves and you have more plants out there, I am noticing less uh, light reaching that bottom of that canopy. But again, still a lot more to dive into and learn. And you do have a lot more to dive into and learn, as you said. And, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about uh, plant population type of uh the way we work the ground, no-till, conventional till, minimum till, are these all factors in your research? Absolutely it is. So we have our smaller research blocks that are being conducted across the U.S., um, but then more locally we have these agronomic trials that we're looking at, and that's what I got to get my hands on for this year. So the two that I'm focusing in on um, is really a population. So I've got uh, a, a five-acre block planted at 32,000 and a five-acre block planted at 40,000, and really trying to cross-compare what are the differences that we are we seeing here and what really is going to be that optimum planting population as we go forward. Now, this is uh, strictly in the research area right now, but what are you seeing just generally? And again, we're we're just looking at it, This, uh, although we're hoping to get it done soon. Right. Yep. So we will probably, this is going to be launched out more in the southern part um, of the state and even probably more down into Iowa, Illinois area in the first year. You know, hopefully in the next five years, we'll start seeing some products uh, rolling forward in some of our more uh, commercial trials, um, MD trials, I guess is what what I tend to call it on the inside front. Um, But hopefully by, you know, 24, 25, we could potentially start seeing some of these products in the plots. Full season hybrids are going to go from 80-day corn to 110-day corn in this? Is what we're looking at approximately? Well, to be determined. Oh. So right now what I'm looking at is um, 108 and 111-day product, and just, just more to come on those ones. Like I said, we're still in the learning phases, and, and we're just excited to have this new technology and um, new, new products rolling out for us. And uh, Sammy Brantner is with us, who's DeKalb agronomist uh, for northern Wisconsin. And uh, you mentioned the technology and the new things going on. One of the things that we have kind of slowed down in the last few years, because of expense mainly, it's, is research and development, new chemistries. We've remixed a lot of chemistries to get different products, but Bayer is sticking some money into new chemistries. Yeah, so just when you're looking at Bayer itself, between the traits and the chemistries, we're sticking $2 billion into just our research and development, and we really take pride on bringing out products and technologies that are going to benefit that grower um, and, and help really try to combat anything that Mother Nature can try to throw our way. So we're really excited about the investments that we're making, and as we look into the next 10 years, we're going to have a lot of really exciting things to launch from both a chemistry aspect and a, a trait perspective as well from the seed corn side and soybean side. One of the words that uh, Bayer Ag is using is smart. We talk about smart corn, but smart stacks is also a very important part of the lineup. Yeah, so you think about Smart Stacks Pro is going to be huge for us. Um, we've got some corn rootworm pressure, and I know that just hearing rootworm gives some people some some heartburn I would say more than heartburn oh, quite a bit of heartburn I would say so being able to bring a brand new mode of action to be able to combat corn rootworm is just game-changing absolutely game-changing out in the marketplace 
It's been fun to see. We currently have 107 day um, out and about across the southern part of the state. So DKC 107.33 uh, rib brand blend is the one that we've been able to push out this year. And when you're comparing the roots um, feeding compared to, you know, the non-RNAi technology corn, it's it's absolutely impressive. So, I mean, all of a sudden, regardless of what trait package that you have, that cornworm larva has to take a bite. But the the less feeding that we're seeing on this, the RNAi technology with the SmartStacks Pro has been extremely impressive. And like I said, going to be a game changer for us. The RNAi technology, what exactly is that? And, and what are we talking entirely here about the different modes of action? Yeah, so when we're thinking about how we go after corn rootworm larva, up to date we've been using, you know, the BT technology. As we move forward, we're focusing on this RNAi with the with the SmartStacks Pro. So really it's something internal. We've identified a protein that that corn rootworm larva needs to survive. And what that RNAi technology does is actually stops that larva um, from producing the protein. And once it stops producing the protein, it's game over. So, like I said, it's, it's a mode of action that that cornworm larva has never seen before. And we're really excited to be able to bring that to the marketplace. New research and new chemistry. Things Bayer Ag and other agricultural companies are bringing to the marketplace. That's Sammy Brantner joining us, agronomist in northern Wisconsin for DeKalb Asgro talking about smart corn and other research developments. I'm Bob Bosold. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. In the field, it's good to have a friend you can count on. One that's hardworking, trustworthy, and always shows up. Just like LG Seeds. Our corn hybrids and soybean varieties deliver consistent performance across all your acres, giving you reliable yield you can expect. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. 
Welcome back on a Monday morning. Well, it may feel like a typical Monday morning. Let's try to have a good week ahead. I'm Charity Seebecker and for Farm Director Pam Yonke. And it's time for your Compere Financial Ag Weather Update with Ag Meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, how are things going? Going pretty well, Charity. How about you? Not too bad. Like I said, just kind of a Monday typical for me today. Well, yeah, that happens at the start of every week. It's amazing. And how about we talk about the weekend, the storm that just never quite produced in southern Wisconsin. All right, I see Lacrosse picked up two hundredths of an inch. Ashland up in the far northwest, over two inches just two days ago, just on Saturday. And that storm crossed through the northern part of the state. The frontal boundary clearing away from southeast Wisconsin today. High pressure edging in, going to seem pretty nice indeed. But low pressure moves in from the Pacific Northwest. Sprinkly showers, North Dakota back into Montana. Some of that activity will cross through our areas. I'd expect it could even happen by this time tomorrow or certainly into the day tomorrow. Very warm temperatures still holding on, cooling then as we make our way on through midweek. I'll have forecast details right after this. Compere Financial wishes farmers and agribusiness a safe harvest season. Stay in touch with your local Compere team throughout the year to see how they can help make your plans a reality. Exceptional client experience at the heart of everything they do. Visit Compere.com or call 844-426-6733 today. Compere Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has the roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. As a dairy farmer, you depend on your milk receiver pump. McFin Technologies of Kenosha introduces the impressive Bowpeller pump. It's quieter, there's lower maintenance, as the seals last much longer than your old milk receiver pump. It offers a more powerful cleaning cycle with higher velocities, and it doesn't degrade the quality of your milk. Ask your dealer for the Bowpeller milk receiver pump, patented by McFin Technologies, an American company committed to providing a better product for the dairy industry. And we're back on this Monday morning. This is Charity here with Ag Meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, we've got more potential rain coming. What do you, what can you tell us about what to expect? Well, that's around for Tuesday. Today, Charity, a pretty nice day. Some patchy fog. In fact, a dense fog advisory just north and west of La Crosse proper, but patchy fog almost everywhere here in the eastern part of the state as well. After that, sunny skies today, a lot of upper 70s, could be an 80 here or there. North winds will be around 5. We cleared out tonight in the west. There's a slight chance of a shower or storm toward daybreak tomorrow. Uh, temps down around 60 or upper 50s. Southeast winds at 5 to 10. Mostly cloudy Tuesday. Showers could be some thunderstorms, maybe up to a quarter inch of rain, but skies become mostly sunny. In fact, later in the day already, warm in the 80s, could be 88 or better at La Crosse. Southeast winds 5 to 15 and gusty. By Wednesday, maybe a little sprinkle early, mostly sunny in the low 70s or upper 60s by Wednesday and in the 60s, low 60s as we look toward Thursday. Going to feel like fall all of a sudden, Charity. Yeah, speaking of fall, so does are we going to stay in that fall mindset or do you think we're going to have a little bit 
peak back up for like our second or third feel of summer. Well, not through the weekend, at least. I think we hold in those 60s just a little cooler than normal. I don't mind that, though. I think that's kind of the perfect tailgate weather for the weekend of sports. And it makes me feel, like you said, like I'm getting into that fall mode, but not quite yet. I can just relax and have some hot chocolate, maybe. There you go. Or at least find a good hoodie to wear. Exactly. Well, we'll catch up with you tomorrow, Sue. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. kind of got to look at it from a Ziegler point of view and a customer point of view and get them into the piece of equipment that's going to benefit their operation. We've really come to trust Ziegler, their support staff, their service trucks. We've had them working on our shop and a tractor till two in the morning to get it ready for the next day. When they come on your farm, they're going to stay until they get the job done. Ziegler's service allows us to be ready to run whenever we need to, rain or shine. For agriculture equipment, ZieglerAg.com. That squeal you're hearing while you come to a stop? That's your brakes crying for help. At Tom's Auto Center, we offer five-star brake repair on all makes and models. Stop by for a brake fluid and brake inspection. If your brakes are talking to you or screaming for help, we'll diagnose it and give you a written estimate. We want you to be able to trust your brakes. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Mutual insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. When it comes to custom jewelry, get to know your Denny's jeweler. The way Denny's works custom is based on emotions and it's based on the clients, what they are feeling and wanting and looking for. And eventually it evolves into this piece of art. I'm Nick Denny. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. Nobody knows windows like Wanakee Remodeling. Voted the best window company in Madison 10 years straight, our Renewal by Anderson windows are the most weather-tight, highest quality, and most durable on the market. Make sure you eliminate your old window and door problems. Go with the most trusted name in windows, Renewal by Anderson, from Wanakee Remodeling. You wear the same size, you do the same workout, yet her butt is high and tight. And let's face it, she's smoking hot. While you're just another sweaty Betty, what you don't know is while you're putting in extra time grunting it out at the gym, she is relaxing poolside. And why? Because she comes to Carbon World Health for FDA-approved M-Sculpt treatments. Her butt is a work of art because this technology is state-of-the-art. CarbonWorldHealth.com how is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age related fat loss. 
The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. We're known for our sweet moves, but what you might not know is that we can store your stuff too. Yep, from one day to one year. We can hold on to your things on our trucks or in our warehouse. This is Brenda from Mad City Moving. We call that the unexpected storage move. Mad City Moving dominates any move. Their crew will handle your things well, like your things deserve to be handled. Online at madcitymoving.com. Mad City Moving. You haven't seen moves like these before. I mean, I got to play the same way. You know, I'm, I don't. I don't play the way I played in 2011. It's, you know, I got to. I got to play on time, and guys got to get open. Uh, so no, I'm not going to change the way I play. We just have to realize who's out there, who we're thrown to, and how we're going to actually make some hay and score some points. How old was Aaron Rodgers in 2011? 11 years younger than he is now. Yeah. Was that 27? 27 years old? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. You would say that he was clearly in the prime of his career age-wise? Yeah. Do you remember who the coach was when he was 27 and 2011? It's the quarterback whisperer, Mike McCarthy. God. Do you remember who some of his wide receivers were in 2011? Uh, well, we had a little Jordy Nelson action. We have there uh, Greg Jennings. A little uh, Randy Cobb. That was the Super Bowl team. Jermichael Finley, it was Donald Dry. Oh, yeah, Randy Cobb was the year after the Super Bowl. You can even throw him in that same time frame. Yeah. You had a lot of talent. You had a different head coach with a different philosophy, and you had a guy that was in the prime age of his career. Yeah. You would say, okay, Aaron Rodgers, still the best throw of the football, blah, 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 blah. You can't tell me that at age 38, he throws the ball better now than he did at 27. He's physically yeah. in his athletic prime one would, in 27. One would so, correct, yes. He, he already sees the way that they played with Mike McCarthy with those great athletes where it was like schoolyard football. Get open. Make sure that uh, do whatever you can in scramble drills to get open. I'll find you. You have to have talented wide receivers to do that. Also, Aaron Rodgers has to be fleet of, of foot and athletic to do that. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers isn't fleet of foot or athletic, but he's had calf injuries. He's had the broken, what was it, knee or leg? He's had multiple concussions. Yeah. He's had multiple broken collarbones. 
it's a guy that's older that's not quite as athletic or doesn't move quite as well in the pocket like he used to. Uh-huh. He doesn't have the athletic ability that they used to have when they would run the schoolyard offense. And he's not as in he's not as physically good as he was back then. What he's saying is I have to play within the scheme of the system because I'm older. And you know, I'm not changing the way I I play. I don't necessarily have the best receivers. I'm not going to change the way that I play because A, I might get hurt. B, we might not have the personnel to do it. And C, I might not be able to do it at that high of a level that I used to do it because I'm older. And it's the scheme that everyone on the team has to play in that Matt LaFleur hands down. And we know that Matt LaFleur is more of a schemer than Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, a lot of it was, dude, seriously, just everything was, was like an audible. Get open, in play, change your routes to do whatever you can to... to find a hole in the in the zone or find a hole in the coverage and sit down. It was or they're going to create a scramble Jill and all of a sudden, you know, Jordy Nelson's going to do a fly route. Like it was way different than what Matt LaFleur Matt LaFleur's is way more structured. It's way more this guy's doing this while this guy's coming over here. This is your check one. Here's two. Aaron Rodgers had like one or two checks with Mike McCarthy, and then it was like, all right, where's Jordan around all over here? All right, now I'm gonna go back and throw it across my body and someone's gonna get open. Yeah. It has to be structured. Clearly, Romeo no, Dobbs. No, Rowdy, Rowdy, we have to play K2. Clearly, wide Romeo receivers. Dobbs and Christian Watson have some Their talent. feelings were hurt. But would you ever confuse them with where Jordy Nelson, Jermichael Finley, Donald Driver, James Jones, Randall Cobb were at when they were in their yeah. young primes? Yeah. Those guys were clearly... I'm not saying that these two can't be as good as some of those guys yeah. in five years, but clearly on the stage at that time period in Aaron Rodgers' career, those guys were way better than what Love these it. two guys are. But Rowdy, you don't understand what Grant's saying. Christian Watson's feelings were hurt when Rodgers didn't put it directly into his hands, okay? We have to placate to him. Uh, ben, Imagine you, being you like... 20-some years old, being a professional athlete in the most cut, one of the most cutthroat leagues out there, uh-huh. and having your feelings hurt if they don't throw at you. I, it's, I mean, that's the Wisco Sports Show. To quote Ben Kenny, <laughs> grow up. Um, thank you. <laughs> hey, Ben. I don't think that was the case. <laughs> There's a lot here. There is. In a limited time, actually, because we have Raphael when it, coming. When it comes to him saying he's not going to play differently and all that stuff. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I'm Charity Seebecker. Happy to be with you on this Monday morning. Coming up later, we're going to hear from Greg Han of Han's Christmas Farm and how we may not be thinking of Christmas yet, but their Christmas tree goers are and what they have to do to prepare to provide us with the trees that we love to decorate. But now, farm team member Carrie Mess shares an update on how farmers can change their cows' diets in response to feed cost climbing. Drew Johnson is an independent dairy consultant who works with farms mostly on the western side of the state. With feed ingredient prices climbing, he's helping farmers evaluate what swaps they can make in their cows' diets. For the Midwest Farm Report, this is Carrie Mess. Drew, farmers are rightfully getting pretty concerned about feed prices. Worrying is only going to get us so far, so what are you seeing farmers do? do to make changes? 
Yeah, yep. Um, so one of the things that we're doing, certainly we're looking at ways that we can increase the amount of haylage that's in the diet. This area, we've had a bit of a bumper crop of haylage, but the quality has been there too. A lot of the stuff that we were testing when it was going into the bunkers ended up testing, you know, 160, 170, something like that. So I think we're sitting on some quality feed. So we'll probably be looking at uh, increasing the in inclusion rate of, of haylage because we've got not just the quantity, but we've got the quality to go along with it. So that's certainly one thing I think we're going to be looking at doing. Another thing, like the, the milk market has kind of changed over the last several months, whereas in May, the, the, the milk protein price was fairly high. It was nearly $3.90 a pound. Now this last month, they just announced August prices uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was down to $2.15 a pound, whereas the, the price for butter fat has actually increased. It's the highest that it's been all year. So, so we're taking a look in some diets on where we can, where do we, where are we going to get get the best return for the money that we do have to spend? And and in increasing milk protein, the methionine products that we feed, they're, they're fairly expensive. They do work, but with the price of uh, protein coming down, probably not. We're definitely not getting the return that we were. So if we can, maybe we need to start to look at using some different feed additives to to, to help boost the butter fat if we need to, or just trying to figure out where we're how to make sure that we're spending our, our money wisely and getting the most return. Literally everything you feed cows has gone up. Yeah. Except for yeah, hay. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was I was looking at uh, at some of the uh, pricing from this year compared to last year. It's roughly like on a, on your bypass fats. You know, really rough numbers, but about five hundred dollars a ton more. Some of the animal protein byproduct feeds that we feed, they're up about six hundred dollars a ton. A lot of the vitamins and trace minerals are up in price. Yeah, nearly everything has gone up. When we're looking at some of these input swaps, are there some other unique swaps you've seen people pull in? You know, one that we get questions on or talk about a lot is, is distillers because distillers, is, it, it didn't have this massive increase uh, in price year over year like some of these other ingredients have. You just have, I feel like I have to be really cautious in how much we use distillers because it, it can suppress butter fat and it can bring bring mycotoxins. Um, every time you send corn through an ethanol plant, the mycotoxins come through, like I think it's three times more concentrated than what it, what it went into the ethanol plant with. So you have to be careful. So maybe even a smaller inclusion of two to three pounds of distillers can help help do that. I live in an area where we don't have a lot of byproduct offerings. You know, I talk to other nutritionists from around the state where they may have something from a cannery waste or something like that. So I don't get as exposed to those kind of opportunities, but they're out there. Um, you know, sweet corn silage, worked with that product in the past. That's an excellent feed if you can get a hold of it. Uh, yeah, so looking for some opportunity, local opportunities where you can find some find some other byproducts, be able to include that in the diet is, gonna, is a really good bet too. Like one thing that I, I do think we, we don't do a lot here in the Midwest, but they do a lot more out in like the Northeast is uh, is using cereal grains in rations. There's like triticale, a wheat, and, and sometimes rye if it can get made right. It, if you feed the plant nitrogen, you'll have a reasonably good protein content, and it's fairly cheap feed to make too, especially if the government is offering some subsidies to plant it as a cover crop. So I think we should take a look at that more and feeding feeding some of these uh, non you know, getting away from corn silage and alfalfa a little bit, but just taking a look at what some of these cereal grain silages uh, can offer. They can, some of the fiber digestibilities on these cereal grain silages can be right up there with BMR corn silage. If you get a lot of digestible fiber, hopefully that'll help your components and, and energy-corrected milk. Are there some good tools that farmers can use to kind of look at pay price for fat and protein and milk pounds and really pencil down what they should be shooting for as far as a ration that makes a certain pay for them? One of the things that I like to look at, there's a website, it's 
uh, milkpay.com. And that's a really good website where it'll use the most recent federal milk marketing order prices for your zone. So say you wanted to make a ration change and it's going to cost you 10 cents a day and uh, you expect these changes in the cows, you know, gain two pounds of milk and, uh, and lose or gain components. It'll give you, uh, you can punch those numbers into the calculator and help you determine what uh, what your potential ROI is. And it'll let you know what your energy corrected milk is too. Um, so it's, it's a very useful tool. I, I would highly suggest using that uh, when you're making some of these, these management decisions. So of all of the farms you work with, your smart farmers are doing what right now? The ones that I, I, I'd say, you asked, the, the question you asked was right now, but I also take that back a little bit, maybe to the last couple of months. One client in particular is really aggressive in milk contracting, selling in the futures markets, using ERP and BMC, and he has got a lot of milk locked in for the rest of the year, I believe in that $23 range uh, when, when we had it. And when he contracted his milk, he also did some feed inputs at the same time. So he's maybe spending a little bit more like on corn. The corn was, was a little higher than when he contracted, but but he protected that margin in between. And that, I think that was the most important thing. And then that farm, it, he set himself up for profitability for the rest of the year. So even though you say his, his feed costs are going to be higher than others, his income is going to is going to be much higher and it's going to exceed that, that extra feed income. So we're still, my clients, I don't have anybody that's booked on new crops yet uh, as far as soybean meal or corn. I'm still hoping that we can get a bit of a reprieve in the market. So I think that's what they're doing now is uh, is waiting for some favorable prices. Most of them work with a with a really good commodity broker and just trying to take advantage when the when the market does often. Hey, thanks, Drew. There are a lot of farmers out there really putting pencil to paper when it comes to these prices. Hopefully they won't keep climbing. For the Midwest Farm Report, this is Carrie Mess. Wisconsin Farm Bureau is an exciting organization because it has a plethora of opportunities for young farmers and agriculturists, specifically a Young Farmer and Agriculturist program for members ages 18 to 35, where you can learn about leadership development, advocating for agriculture, and network with your peers. WFBF.com. You'll learn so much. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has a roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. Looking at your Chicago markets, December new corn is down one and three quarter cents at six seventy five and a half. November beans are up two cents at one forty five and a half. December wheat is down eleven and a half cents at eight forty eight and a quarter. On the dairy side of things, barrel cheese closed up three cents at two oh nine on Friday. Forty pound block cheese had no change and closed at two oh six. And double A butter closed down seven cents at three thirteen and a quarter. October Class 3 milk contract is trading today at 2139 100 weight, down 6 cents. And November milk is trading at 2136, down 6 cents. Coming up, we have Greg Han of Han's Christmas Farm. We may not think of cold weather and picking out trees just yet, but Han and other growers are already preparing. Beth Crave of Crave Brothers Cheese in Waterloo also joins us today to talk about their most recent win at the Wisconsin State Fair for their chocolate mascarpone cheese. Be sure to stick around and find out more. These are things that you surely do not want to miss. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. In the field, the right partner can make all the difference. One that's dependable, straightforward, and is there when you need them. That's LG Seeds. From our hybrids and soybean varieties to our service and support, reliability is in everything we do. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. Sometimes people think we're the bathroom remodeling place that just covers up your old stuff. It's how Rebath got its start 40 years ago. But just as technology has improved since dial phones, we've grown to become a total bathroom remodeling company. Free in-home consultation, free custom design, an affordable new bath in just days, not weeks. Visit our showroom on Stoughton Road or Rebath.com. Rebath, making it easy to love your bath. When it comes to jewelry appraisals, get to know your Denny's jeweler. There's a number of different reasons a person will do appraisals. We just say, bring in everything. It's so fun because it's like when somebody brings that stuff in and they're all excited, then they start thinking about it and where it came from, which is priceless. I'm Pete Denny. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. Because of you, someone gets to go home instead of working a double. Because of you, call lights will be answered a little bit faster. Because you are the Bright Star in that facility. Bright Star Medical Staffing is looking for caregivers and nurses. Bright Star believes providing the highest quality temporary staff means better care. It's the reason you got into healthcare in the first place. Be the Bright Star in someone's life. Work with Bright Star. Apply today at brightstarjobs.com. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Welcome back. I'm Charity Seebecker joining you on this Monday morning. While Christmas may seem far away for many as they are still trying to hold on to what is left of that summer weather, Christmas tree farmers are already working diligently to prepare for the holiday. Greg Han of Hans Christmas Farm in Oregon shares more. One of the things that we really like to educate people on that this crop is an 8 to 10 year crop. So you could see a drought year and say, oh, the trees are going to be affected by it. But trees that are being harvested are eight years old this year, so they're well-established roots. It would take a very major drought to affect a six- to nine-foot tree. But somewhere down the line, as the small one- to two-foot trees that are affected by the drought, you might see some of those a little bit higher demand for different trees because of that. A lot of times we can catch that up because if we have one bad year, the next year we're planting more trees and that tree can usually catch up in that eight to 10 years. So we're really good as an industry because of the long time that we have to make sure that our supply is good as it could be. What type of care do you give those younger trees to ensure that they are good for eight years to be able to harvest in that time? That's another thing that people think, well, you just plant that tree in the field and you walk away and then in eight years you come and harvest it. Irrigation with the changing in the environment, irrigation is coming into most of the Christmas tree farms. A lot of them are doing some kind of irrigation, especially in 
that first, second, and third year, uh, they get irrigated. We also are supplementing nutrition in the field. We are putting nitrogen on or other nutrition onto the trees. We also are doing some weed control underneath that tree because the weeds are pulling some of that moisture out of the ground, so we make sure that uh, the weeds are cleared either under the tree. Some growers uh, clear it just like the bean and corn fields where they take all the weeds out, but most of the growers are keeping an aisle where we still mow that aisle just for sand erosion and also for heat, keeping the soil temperatures down. That was Greg Han of Hans Christmas Farm in Oregon. You can find a list of retail lots near you by going to christmastrees-wi.org. Farm team member Stephanie caught up with Beth Crave of Crave Brothers Cheese. She talks about their most recent win at the Wisconsin State Fair and what goes into making their unique product of their chocolate cheese. Stephanie, take it away. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report, visiting with Beth Crave of Crave Brothers Cheese in Waterloo. Beth is the Director of Quality Assurance, and we owe you a congratulations. Crave Brothers Chocolate Mascarpone won the top spot among all the Blue Ribbon Dairy products at the Wisconsin State Fair. So, Beth, how does it feel to have the title of the best cheese in Wisconsin? Oh, it is great and humbling all at the same time. Our team was very excited to win the Grandmaster Cheesemaker Grand Champion at the Wisconsin State Fair and to bring that home to our team. Their faces were surprised and also they were ecstatic to bring home that award. It's a very unique product. Usually you don't put chocolate and cheese together, but we have a great marriage of our chocolate mascarpone. The inspiration from our chocolate mascarpone came from a chocolate mascarpone pie that we make when we host retailers and chefs from all over the U.S. We make our signature chocolate mascarpone pie, which includes special dark chocolate and either Bailey's Irish cream or Kahlua in an Oreo crust. And everyone loves it. And they're like, how can we buy this? And so we took that upon ourselves to like, okay, let's create a recipe that we can make production of our chocolate a mascarpone pie. And we came up with a great recipe. Our staff did with using chocolate and then just a hint of Irish cream to top it off. And it has a really nice, rich, creamy flavor and texture. Kind of reminds you of a melted chocolate malt or a fudge sickle. Did the judges tell you what set the chocolate mascarpone apart from the rest of the blue ribbon cheeses. Some of the scorecards that we received, it's nice velvety texture, smooth, nice clean flavor, and then just that pop of chocolate, and then with that hint of Irish cream, too, that's a surprise to them, and it just blew their tops off when they tasted our product, and it's a phenomenal product, and they said they kept on reaching for more before the container was gone. And hats off to all Wisconsin cheesemakers always trying to develop unique varieties of cheese for consumers to enjoy, Crave Brothers included. But Beth, can you walk us through or help us understand the work that goes into developing a new dairy product? And begin with, you know, how do these ideas start? We have a great team here, but also our customers. Our customers contact us and look for new and innovative projects. And George Crave, the president,
president of Cray Brothers Farm said she's worked really closely with them, has a great relationship with them, and talks to them, what is the consumer looking for? And takes that feedback and brings it back to the plant. Then we work with our team here at Cray Brothers. It definitely takes a team to make any of our cheeses, especially our award-winning cheeses. And then, again, we just work with that customer back and forth, tweaking the recipe until we come up with an award-winning product. You mentioned manpower, and I assume in addition to manpower, it's also going to take time, (laughs) right? And money. I mean, what are some of those logistics that go into developing a new product? New products don't happen overnight. You know, this chocolate mascarpone was over a year in the making um, just to tweak the recipe just right to perfect um, the chocolate and Irish cream ratio, um, but also the investment of our staff here taking the time out of their busy schedules of just making our normal everyday production to making um, new products um, for us. But um, we have the help with Center for Dairy Research here in Madison, also Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. We bump ideas off of them, and it's a great resource we have here um, in Wisconsin. Yeah, and it certainly sounds like it takes a village, especially with those unique partnerships that you have with the industry. It does, and it's a great camaraderie that we have here. I'm going to assume that maybe ideas are always moving around the cheese plant. Is Crave Brothers Cheese working on developing anything new today? Well, I can't give you anything specific, but we are uh, definitely working on um, some new um, concoctions here at the Cheese Factory. And hopefully um, in the spring or um, by the end of next year, we'll be rolling out uh, possibly some new items for everyone to try. So we'll keep everyone in suspense until then. Beth, has supply chain at all hindered? what you guys can do? So we have a great relationship with our suppliers here, but it definitely has impacted us and all um, cheesemakers and producers um, U.S.-wide and worldwide. Um, But we have been able to keep in stock with all of our packaging supplies, all of our ingredients to continue to make our high-quality product. But it definitely has certainly affected the producers, even starting from the grain prices and dairy prices at the farm to our corrugated boxes to the film we use um, and the cheese cups that the cheese goes in Um, but we have a great relationship and we continue to watch that closely um, to forecast and to um, predict for what we're going to need and for next year. Beth, as you mentioned earlier, Crave Brothers Cheese is celebrating its 20th year. So as you prepare for another two decades of cheese making, what's top of mind for Crave Brothers Cheese? What are you thinking about now for the next year and beyond? Sure. So we're looking at, uh, you know, a a steady and consistent retail market, but also we're looking at um, how can we make our processes more efficient and with automation, um, but not losing the staff members that we have here. Still retaining those staff members, um, making higher level positions, um, but having more efficiencies in our cheese making process and continuing um, to make high quality products. We're visiting with Beth Crave of Crave Brothers Cheese in Waterloo after that Wisconsin State Fair win has finally sunk in. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.